This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always más. Thank you for tuning in to a multi-platform broadcast of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. We are joining you on social media. Of course, we started and continue to air on 90.1 FM KPFT, Houston's community station. And you can also watch us on Fox26Houston.com. I'm Tony Diaz, El Libro Traficante. And today we have a special poetry spotlight featuring our friend from the Valley, McAllen Poet Laureate, Edward Vidaure. ¿Cómo estás, hermano? Thank you for joining us. Hola. Thank you, Tony. Good to see you again. And we're going to be celebrating several things, including the success of your publishing house, Flower Song Press. We're also celebrating your new collection of poetry. And we want to make sure that people understand that you're doing a lot for the community, but we have to treat you like a writer. So throughout the show, we're going to have you read a few works and we'll have you say hi in a little bit, but also we'll go right into one of your poems. And for folks tuning in, you're tuning into the new version, the expanded version of Nuestra Palabra Latino Writers Having Their Say. Tony Diaz, happy to join you on this show, our live events in person, Latino politics and news. What's your point on Fox 26 Houston? I'm also excited to tell you that come March, we're kicking off the 10th anniversary recognition and celebration of the Libro Traficante Caravan. So we're coming to you somewhere in this state, somewhere in this country, and just in time, because we'll be talking about extensively how it appears that a lot of the tactics that were used by Arizona legislators to ban Mexican-American studies a decade ago are coming back with a lot of these bans you see now. More on that soon. Also want to let you know, my book, The Tip of the Pyramid, Cultivating Community Cultural Capital, will be coming out in August. But it documents some of the history of the Libertaficantes, some of the history of these attacks on our intellectual freedom, but also talks about Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having to say this fantastic experiment, this fantastic movement, which is an example of community cultural capital. The organization was founded in 1998 because there was a lack of Latino voices in Houston, Texas, the fourth largest city in America. Right now we're celebrating, the reaching. we're reaching out to the Rio Grande Valley with our friend Edward who has started a publishing house. So, Edward, first of all, tell folks a little more about Flower Song Press and how they can get some of these great books. Thank you, Tony. Flower Song Press, we're a small press. When you compare us to the big houses, we are essential to the community. We have the essential voices, the ones that are important, the, the books that we need to get out to our kids that are needed and necessary, that we couldn't find 20, 30, 40 years ago. We're making it a, a point to make sure that we get a little bit of everything in there, poetry, novels, memoirs coming soon, and even children's books. It's, a, it's an exciting time. It's also a very difficult time to be a publisher and even an author because of the pandemic. But we, we continue to go forward as, as if things are on track. We can always go back to a book that's a classic, and if we've never read it, it's a brand new book. So to me, books don't really have a date. It's just a matter of uh, time to get it into the right hands. My first book, I took my body on a road trip. Um, someone might not have read it before and have read, you know, my last two books. So when they read that first one, it's it's a brand new book. So um, for all of you that are out there writing or have written during the pandemic and, and feel a little like, oh, man, you know, we kind of got suckered and, and weren't able to travel and promote our book, it it's, it's, it's an ongoing thing. Continue, continue to get those books into those hands, into your libraries, into, uh, you know, the hands of the professors and teachers and 
it's something that you just have to believe in and and get out to the public. You, you give a lot of great examples of why books are important. The other thing we need to remind our gente is that these are the struggles that we've had. I think it made it clear that we were built to survive this pandemic because right. it's the same thing. We've always had to take very little, create something brand new, and keep pushing because we, we must have had to change. We were so excited, loved doing either the live events or we loved being in the cabina in the studio at 90.1 FM KPFT. Everything went remote. So instead, here we are. We should also mention there's a lot of new changes. Flower Song Press books are huge favorites at the Latino Bookstore in San Antonio, Texas, 1300 Guadalupe, uh, part of the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. Huge favorites right there. So folks can always find those books there. But let's let's get something clear. You're a poet giving back to the community. Would you please share some of your new work? So tell us what you're going to read for us and tell folks the name of the new book. My new book is titled Cry Howl out of Prickly Pear Publishing. I will start with my first poem. Not the first in the book, but this is the one I want to start with. And it is titled Elegy for Vanessa Guillen. You disappeared in the spring, blue bonnet. They found you in the summer. Robbed of your privacy, taken at the tender age of 20. I never liked camouflage, but when I see your photo on social media, the news now on murals, I respect it for you. A guerrera, una hija, a voice silenced. I go to my toolbox, throw my hammer across the room, turn off the commercial with the 4th of July advertisement and hate camo again. You disappeared in the spring, sunflower. They found you in the summer. If we say your name enough times, will you respond? Maybe in the shrill of the thirsty mockingbird in my garden. You are in the wind like my father, like our friends taken in this pandemic. Oh, specialist, dug deep with the lies, America's daughter. You disappeared in the spring, lilac. You were found in the summer, missing the dark skin of your ancestry, a secret unmasked by the thunder of a mother in mourning of the writing voices, still chanting their echoes of justice. After the first death, there is no other, and yet here we are again. You went missing in the spring, soldier. Your song was found in the summer. Maybe soon they'll raise your name to honor a school, a park, a highway, an airport. Maybe sometime in spring, when flowers bloom wildly along the highway, before another dreaded Texas summer, the watchman doesn't blow his whistle at night near grandpa's window. People come and go, speaking in whispered tones. I love the line too when the news made murals because here's a poem talking about the art of murals, talking about how our community gets word to them. And tell me a little more about why you were so touched about this movement and this moment to put it to a poem and why poems matter. It's not often that our people are in the news when they go missing. That tragedy brought it, gave it national attention. And unfortunately, it took that tragedy for national attention to come towards our people. But we as artists have to make sure that we tap into that tragedy and look for a way to heal communities. And even our young ones that are watching and seeing, hey, there's a soldier and she was one of us. She looked like me and this is what happened to her. And so we need to make sure that we honor her and say, you know, she was a great person. She did great things. She stood for something. And and we need to uh, make sure that we, we don't let her death become something uh, of, of an afterthought. We, we keep bringing it to light and create to heal. I think the other thing that you're touching on is that so much of our history has been erased. Yes, this is in corporate media right now. It's in our corazones. It's in the community. But what's important about the legacy of poetry is five years from now, 
this will be studied in a classroom 10 years from now. This story won't go away. And, right. and that's part of the work that you're doing. I want to remind folks that we are here with a special spotlight on Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having to say, this is the new open mic uh, throwdown. <laughs> you know, we'll be coming to you in person at some point, but this is another way to, to spread the word. And we're so happy to be joining our friend, Edward Vidaure, as we celebrate his new book. We've got his website at the bottom. The book is called Cry Howl. You can visit his website. Edward, more poems. Please tell us the name of the next piece. Mention the name of the book again, and then you can tell us some more about it afterwards. Sure thing. And this one is uh, the title poem of the book, Cry Howl, again, out of Prickly Pear Publishing. They also published my book, Jazz House, which won an award for the Philosophical Society of Texas as a best book by a Texas poet in 2020. So um, this is Cry Howl. One, in your morning fog, yawning at daybreak, I feel your suck and moan in letters. Steal me an avocado from the grocery store or ask father, he gives them away for free. Cry when she cries, when she cries, cry. Howl as you die, as you die, howl. Cry for my city running on warning and low wattage on low wages and melting asphalt. Howl in your pastel queer dreams and flip-flops from the top of the stairs and heroin blasted toes. Cry, howl on Juneteenth for the real beat lyrics of Amiri, Kaufman, and Leroy. Cry, howl the disappearance of privilege and the ugly squads, the sinking of ships carrying conservative literature printed in China for the hip hypocrisy. Cry when she cries, when she cries, cry. Howl as you die, as you die, howl. Cry, howl for Lawrence and Jim Morrison and Robert and Bob and Roque and Francisco for the new strain for the math in pandemia. To our dead, for, your, for you we cry, for you we howl, for you we drink, for you we eat, for you we kill, for you we harvest, for you we work, for you, we develop. Howl, here come the UFOs. Here come the blamed. Here come the white teeth. Nothing has changed. The avocado seed sprouts a root. Howl, like the quarantine dogs, the shuffling winds from the east, like the wailing orchestra of orphans, like a city underwater, moonless. Cry for the absence of music, for the spilt milk, for the herniated disc along the border, for its water. Cry when she cries, when she cries, cry. Howl for the ghetto girls, for the bass in your face, for January 6th pardons, for strange fruit, for boycotted fruit, for books. Howl as you die, as you die, howl. To the new administration, pick a nation. Bitcoin buys me pupusas. But don't come here, we'll send you back. Put the beast on reverse, coffins on high demand. Pipeline shut down, sacred land spared for now. Cry into the river, howl between the mountains cleavage into the dead eyes of lonely streets. Howl, cry on the perfect canvas of oil paint. Take the spirit of the steed, shoot your bullets up to the clouds. Morph them into stretched veins. Two, ain't no big thing, nationwide shortage of chicken wings. Someone is crying into the phone of gluttony. Three, cry for the smell of age, howl and blot out my rebellion. Four, my skin tags play a game of hide and seek when I sleep. My nose bleeds when I get fussy. I drip poets into the drain of murals into the drain of obscurity. Five, cry, howl. I still love the way your voice spreads like cream. When the hummingbird sucks on spoiled nectar and how the earth is crashing down into a Merlot hue while Whitey sits on the moon and I don't know why we mistook our tears for water. Howl as we climb the tree that thrives on loneliness. Cry when we get to the top and find a rope. 
six, cry when you don't make it, howl where all the dead lie, make a revolution with fire and blood, especially if the dead are children. Fantastic, powerful. And you really do provide so many literary references, powerful, beautiful images. Uh, I love the language. Let's walk through some of those references. And of course, let's tie it into your previous poem because we mentioned that, of course, uh, the the story of Vanessa Guillen is in corporate media right now. Corporate media has a long track record of erasing our history, as does corporate education. We have to archive our history. Uh, you mentioned Lawrence Roque. I, l- let's start just... Shout out to some of the the poets. Uh, break down those references. Why why you use them? You, you mentioned many literary figures and allusions that I'd like our listeners to catch on to. Some of them fall into the beat tradition. Francisco X Alarcón, Roque Dalton, who was the biggest name in El Salvador for poetry, and and that's where my ancestors are from. And so I'm giving them, you know, love and and, and referencing them because um, they've been important to me in my in my growth as a poet. And and they've inspired me in, in writing a lot too, in, in their activism and, and in their sacrifice to the struggle of people of all colors, you know, Amiri mm-hmm. and Leroy and everyone else they paved the way for for us to be able to continue the writing as activists and and as responsible artists and poets and we're gonna give a shout out you're gonna shout out from david romero that's my publisher making history every day and we've had david on the show we're gonna have him back on the show so it's nice for him for califas to give the valley a shout out no (laughs) yeah yeah what's up david uh what's up vincent hi carmen and, and everyone else but yeah, you know, David, David's uh, making some moves with Matt Cedillo and, and, and all the other uh, West Coast Flower Song, Flower Strong Press um, authors. We got Iris over there and Brianna and and Angelina and Sonia and Fernando. I mean, if, if I miss one of you, I'm sorry, but we have a... Uh, muchos. <laughs> You know, we're going to have to franchise Flower Song (laughs) to other parts of the world. But they're doing some things that, you know, I wish I knew how to do as a as an author, you know, as a poet, separate from publishing. They've got a good system going. And I'm really excited to know that they're part of the Flower Song Familia and and that they um, are riding this wave with me into the history of publishing, because I think that's what that's what's happened. We are doing a lot of things. Sometimes they might not seem that way, you know, because of, again, the the shutdown of of things going everywhere. But it's happening and and you can feel it. It's like when you have a a community uh, getting together to do poetry and you see it grow and grow and grow. This feels great because it's worldwide now, you know, nationwide with the press. You know, we've got authors from Nigeria and Central America. We have Mexican, you know, authors on our press, coast to coast authors here in the United States as well. So we're boundless and borderless. We're we're breaking down those those walls to to get voices in from from everywhere because there's a border in in every country. We started as as uh, looking for the voices along the border. I guess you would say between the U.S. and and Mexico. But the struggle is in on every border in every border in every country. I mean, look at what's happening right now, five thousand miles away. It's a day by day thing, and so we know there's voices there right now that are writing that are creating art during this wartime for them. And so we, we need to stay vigilant and, and, and try to listen to what's happening, not only in our backyards, but, but all over, because it affects all of us. Well, you know, in 1998, Nuestra Palabra had its first showcase in the Barrio Montrose in the party hall of Chapultepec restaurant. Uh, it was beautiful because, of course, as is the case, people thought our community didn't care about literature writing or had stories obviously that was wrong but i love the feeling of contact we're, we're in an epidemic again our people are used to upheaval making you know do with very little and and thriving right having said that in this new moment i love that we can convene with our familias in the valley you're giving shout out to um a lot of the writers in flower song prints from califas and 
you know, the Latino bookstore in San Antonio is built on the community cultural capital of San Antonio and Texas and celebrates Texas authors. This is the Texas author series, but we have a great affirmative action for California writers. Okay. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, when you get there, you're going to see Matt's books, David's books. And, uh, but why? Because we know you, they know them. Estamos en familia. And I think our community is very resilient along those lines. But what wonderful ways to celebrate all of us through the poetry and writing. We do want to get to at least one more poem. And speaking of crews, I got to give love to our crew. Thank you to Roxana Guzman, who is our producer for Multi-Platform Show. She does all these cool graphics, helps us get these shows onto several different platforms. Shout out to Rodrigo Bravo, who is our sound engineer and does magic for us for the FM broadcasts. And then uh, also we got Radamus Ortiz, who helps us with our search engine optimization. Leti Lopez, who helps us with music. And all the Libro Traficantes across Texas and the Southwest and the country. And to everybody tuning in and supporting and building community cultural capital. I tell you what, uh, Edward, let's wrap this up with another poem because we're here to celebrate your voice today. You do so much for others. Want to make sure people remember you as a poet because you're giving up a lot of your own time that you could use to write, to read, to rest, <laughs> you know, to rest. You are using that to publish and promote other writers. That's, that's wonderful. But at the end of the day, you're great at that because you're a poet. So please, uh, Folks, uh, we're celebrating Cry Howl, the new book by Edward Viduare. You can go to his website, edwardviduare.com. It's there at the bottom of the screen. Uh, say the name of the book again. Tell us the poem and set it up for us, too. From my new collection, Cry Howl. And this one goes to all my flower song familia in Los Angeles, who I'll be seeing um, on the 25th of this uh, month. I'll be going there for a short in and out um, for a book festival there in Culver City. This one is titled, I Return to Love LA. We landed on time. The pavement outside, the small airplane window was wet. And from where I sat, I could almost smell the petrichor settling in on La La Land. I've missed my city, a morning at times. The smog, the homelessness, the crime, the struggle, all of it. The Cholos and Cholas, the Lowriders, Whittier Boulevard, City Hall, and all its suited criminals. The immigrant culture, the graffiti, the ghetto bird, the flatfoots, the taggers, the traffic jams, the murals, the scent of gunpowder, sadly, hasta eso. The second I stepped foot, the streets gave me the chisme on the corner of hustle. I saw raw courage and fight in the school teacher holding up a strike sign. Oh, yeah. She was like the Statue of Liberty, like a Virgencita Guadalupana, como una flor, la Emma Gonzalez, la Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, así mero. She smiled for my camera and continued her grito on the corner of Mission and Yellow Caution Tape Boulevard. My mother hit 70 years of age and still dances on Wednesday afternoon, my chiquita viejita, always busy, still making the best coffee and desayunos. I stare at her watching a soccer match on television. I can almost feel my dad next to her. He left his costumbres for her to carry. She misses him. The flat on Gabriel Garcia Marquez knows it. Some things have changed and some stay the same. They've moved my gente con gentrification. The mariachis are still hustling on boil strumming and tuning their guitarrones. The borrachitos are still stumbling in and out of the bar with the velvet curtain, except it's now a puerta de madre, de madera, there on La Calle Primavera. On the corner of Shank and Choke are the huddled men that lost hope, fists closed around a bottle of memory, glossy eyes not to be mistaken with tear-welling eyes, glossy like a distance. The fathers of the barrio, the forgotten ones, the addicted ones, the lost ones across Hollenbeck Lake. Across the from wounds and addiction are the women that were robbed, hair chopped short with blue-veined breasts that leak earth milk, 
long fingernails to climb and detach tomorrow's suicides. The women of wounds, raising children, goddamn children of the barrios, birthing more children in safe zones, trying to rush into menopause and divorce, slicing the bully in the gut, breaking away from the man, breaking away from the plan that the man can with no plan. I return to love LA, introduce her to my daughter, whose hazel eyes are like a California sunset, whose skin is bronzed by ancestral blessings, whose voice code switches with the morning whistling of Santa Ana winds, whose morning yawn stretches from Texas to El Centro de Los Angeles. I return to love my LA with a new set of eyes, translating poems in the shape of birds on power lines and river water under the bridge on the tracks where boxcars wait to be pushed across the country, where homeless women push shopping carts filled with garbage stanzas, leaving poems in their, my mother's palms, where palm trees sway with morning traffic. I throw my city poems out the window, driving on the five and pause to breathe on the 10 heading west. Until I return, I will hold my breath. I will hold it long enough to remember I never left it. And that is the poetry of Edward Viduaure. This is a celebration of his new book, Cry Howl. He is also the publisher at Flower Song Press Books. Thank you so much for all that you do in joining us today, hermano. Thank you, Tony. And thank you, everyone there. And Nuestra Palabra. Appreciate you. Welcome back. Hey, hey, it's great to be back, Tony. It's great to see you this time. I think we did a phone call last time, so exactly. Or, 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 you are you are looking phenomenal. Let me say well, first off. Thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you. Let's trade compliments. Do it as we waffle. And uh hey, I'm Tony Diaz, a Libro Traficante. We're happy to to bring you this because you make a great point there, David. Not only has Nuestra Palabra had to adapt from the origins of our organization back in 1998, but when we called you first, that was the first phase of the shutdown. So you weren't in the studio, and we weren't in the studio. It was a phone interview. And then in this new version, the, the station has sold the building where we used to broadcast from. So now we're moving and we're remote. So this is the brand new iteration. Wow. So you've been through some several evolutions. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah, you're evolving along with the, the whole media landscape here. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. But exactly. continuing to provide this, this, this great programming. So I'm, I'm really glad to be with you today. No, likewise. And what's cool is that, you know, Nuestra Palabra began in 1998 in the party hall of Chapultepec restaurant. But here we are convening with, a family member out in uh, Khalifa. So tell folks exactly where you're at right now. Yeah, so I'm in uh, I'm in the lovely city of Diamond Bar, California. Uh, we're in Los Angeles County, but we're closer to uh, Disneyland than we are to downtown LA or Ball Heights or East LA. And um, yeah, but Snoop Dogg lives here. So right. at least we have that. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> And congratulations on all the success uh, on your book, uh, on all the readings that you've done, all the outreach that you've done. Um, what, what's been going on since we chatted with you last? Yeah, so most recently uh, what's been going on is uh, I just awarded uh, my fifth endowment of my scholarship. I have a yearly scholarship, the Romero Scholarship for Excellence in Spoken Word. Um, this year's scholarship was $1,000 uh, that went to the Youth Poet Laureate of Philadelphia, uh, Sydney Brown. So it was really my honor, my pleasure to award her. I was just stunned when she even applied. You know, um, I've been working really hard to get the scholarship both out locally, but also to, uh, you know, all of the states 
you know, and, and the territories as well. This year I was really excited to receive applications from Puerto Rico as well. So that was really beautiful to see. And um, yeah, it just shows that the, the word of the scholarship is spreading. And so, yeah, it's, it's very, very exciting. Sydney Brown is a phenomenal poet. And uh, she's also a Girl Scout, so she's hustling those wow. Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> so, you know, if you need some of those sweet <laughs> tagalons in your life, you know, hit her up. <laughs> That's fantastic. You know what, though? We're going to have to get to some of your poems because yeah. at the end of the day, you are changing the world through your poetry. But I do love that you are giving back. I really respect that. But I want people to appreciate that takes time and energy. And there's other communities where folks are just creating art for art's sake, where they are in their ivory tower creating their own work. You are giving back. It takes capital, time, energy. So first of all, congratulations on that. And we want to help. So next, next go round, please let us know. We'd love to announce that the applications are open. Put it in our email blast. Um, get that word out as well. So, because that's wow. so fantastic that you do that. I really admire that. Thank you very much, Tony. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go ahead as, as, as requested and perform a poem. Um, so this poem, uh, is inspired by, uh, undocu queer activist, Isaac Ferreira. I met him at community arts and action center, Corazon del Pueblo in Boyle Heights, Los Angeles. Um, and he was speaking to his experiences as a running back, um, at Belmont High School, for which he always wants everyone to know that as far as I know, he still holds a record for the school. But he was talking about his experiences, and uh, I was inspired by them to write this uh, poem, Undocumented Football. When life throws everything at you, don't drop the ball. Don't drop the ball. Blue! 42, set, hike, a brown quarterback's fingers tighten around the white laces of a football. Roosevelt versus Garfield, they meet today upon an annual battleground where local legends spell rivalry in defensive and offensive formations. Upon this old field, in this dirty stadium, football sounds a lot like Boyle Heights, like East LA, like years of pride and history. Sounds like Roosevelt is in motion. Number 42, Miguel is with them, crossing the line of scrimmage, clad in red and yellow. His muscles tell a story. Miguel has always been running, running from La Migra, Las Placas, everyone who wants to stop him, ask him, Donde están los papeles? Where? Are your papers? Miguel's too fast, though. How fast? Too fast. Too fast for borders, laws, checkpoints, dogs. Too fast for fences, ditches, detention centers, and walls. Definitely too fast for the fool. Unfortunate enough to be Dean up on him now. Through it all, under the glare of stadium lights, past the cheering, booing, chanting, and screaming through a maze of players like a beam of holy light, Miguel's vision is clear. He loves this game. It gives him focus, gave him purpose. Miguel will be defined by this moment. He knows this. No college will recruit him. His record doesn't really scream draft pick, but that's not the issue. Miguel never cared for politics. He just loved his coach, his team, this American game of football, his dream. To make a catch in the only important game that he could. Miguel will not score the winning touchdown. This game will be added to a losing record that will make for a losing season. There are so many reasons for Miguel to drop the ball. Walk out of the stadium, just another statistic. Undocumented student, faceless, immigrant. There are so many reasons for Miguel to drop the ball. So as it spirals towards him, carrying the weight of a future infallible, he repeats to himself like a prayer. Don't drop the ball. Don't drop the the ball, so he catches it, like how he catches his diploma, like how he catches his degree, like how he catches the hand of his high school sweetheart, and they cross the threshold of that goal line together. He cradles the ball in his arms, like his son John, firstborn legal, firstborn free to pursue his dreams and not always be running. So, Dan, hard. This is just one story from the East LA Classic, Roosevelt 
versus Garfield, just one game from Miguel of undocumented football. Man, powerful piece. And you know what's great to, to hear you read it too, because your work is stands up on the page, but also you're such a fantastic uh, reader as well. So thank you for treating us for the, with that. Oh, thank you, Tony. It comes with, uh, with over a decade of practice now, and uh, it's really an honor to be able to perform it, you know, in spaces such as these. I appreciate that. And, you know, uh, one, I want to point out too, of course, your your collection of poetry that we first uh, had you on the show for, uh, My Name is Romero, is a powerful work out of its own. This seems to be a, another set of work. Is, is it part of its own book? Uh, is it part of a, a different series of poems? Oh, no, I'm a son and dance man, Tony. I, I got to play all the hits, you know, I got to. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, uh, yeah, so, so, uh, so this is from My Name is Romero as well. I've been steady on the grind. You know, this is, uh, it came out in 2020 with Flower Song Press, but uh, I've been working hard to get this into over 50 bookstores. Um, it's also sold by retailers in New Zealand, Japan, Russia, Moldova, you know, just uh, uh, Switzerland, just just all over the world. So I've been really, really hard. I, I really, truly believe that, you know, this is this is my legacy and my life's work. And um, I am also working on a number of uh, projects. I've got an upcoming uh, book about my hometown, uh, Diamond Bar. I also wrote a murder mystery novel. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know there there are layers to come. There are layers to come, but um, but yeah, wow. most most of what I've been reading has been from this one. I love it, and I do want to let folks know too that uh, I, I'm the literary curator for the Latino Bookstore in San Antonio. We carry your book. You're part of our California Affirmative Action Program, okay? Because tenemos un montón de tejanos because we're in Texas, but we got to show love to our California brothers and sisters. Uh, we have several Flower Song Press books there. And, of course, people love your book. So uh, people can find it at the Latino Bookstore in San Antonio, Texas, 1300 Guadalupe, across the street from the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Theater. So one day we got to get you and uh, the other compañeros out there as well down the yes. line. And, and oh, I love that. Yeah, we definitely got to make that happen. I, yeah, that would be phenomenal. Too cool. Well, I tell you what, I mean, I could talk to you for hours, but I want people to hear more of your poems. Uh, yeah. Give us another piece, set it up, and tell us a little bit about it before you before you throw down with it. Yeah, of course. Uh, so this next poem, uh, I know, I know you're a, you, you you know you and I both share a heart for the for the political, for the at times confrontational, controversial. Um, so this poem is uh, one of the most political uh, pieces in the book. My name is Romero. And it's called Patriots and Lunatics. And this poem, uh, it touches upon the history of the Minutemen, um, both the uh, core group as well as the splinter groups uh, that were associated with the movement. Um, it also mentions uh, uh, the murder of uh, Brisenia Flores um, some, some time ago. And uh, it draws parallels between that and a general uh, uh, a patriotism that's, that's invoked. Um, whenever, um, you know, we, we call to defense uh, ourselves, our people, um, and, and our plight, uh, uh, people invoke in, in response a kind of patriotism, and it is an unveiling of, of what that patriotism uh, often truly stands for. This poem is called Patriots and Lunatics. It would be a disservice to give self-appointed patriots dirt and grit, stars and stripes, red-blooded Americans the title lunatic, except when it fits them as comfortably as orange jumpsuits or pine box coffins. Chris Simcox was a man with an American dream. Move out to the Southwest, grab some guns, take a last stand like Wyatt Earp, at the OK Corral, shoot it out until the bitter end. Aside from the usual delusions of grandeur, Chris Simcox, co-founder of the Minutemen, harbored a much darker secret. At night, we arrive. 
Never me, not I. I've never been there when we cross from Sonora to Arizona, Chihuahua to Tejas, but I know it. Not the types to be intimidated by a line on a map, a line in the sand or a river. I picture them emerging from the water indignant, clothes soaked, wet shirts and blouses over wet backs. They call them wet backs as if somehow the strength in them to carry adversity would be grounds for anything derogatory. You should add alert eyes, calloused hands, muscled torsos, sun-hardened skin, dehydrated and tired but still running legs to that long list of epithets. Wet back is just another word for survivor. There were no survivors. Home massacre. Jason J.T. Reddy, neo-Nazi, former member of the Minutemen, put a gun to his head but not before murdering his girlfriend, her daughter, her daughter's boyfriend, and their child. Brisenia Flores was nine years old when she was murdered by the Minutemen. Shauna Ford, Jason Eugene Bush, Albert Gaxiola, two Minutemen and their guide crept into the Flores house under the cover of night looking for drugs. They didn't find any. So they shot Brisenia. Her mother and her father stole their jewelry, rode back to their hideout, didn't make out with much, not enough to cover the cost of a new headquarters. See, these vigilantes had a patriotic plan. They were going to rob them some Mexicans to fund the training and arming of more Minutemen because it's Mexicans who are the dangerous ones, right? Chris Simcox, co-founder of the Minutemen, has a problem has a disease. This defender of American values and American children couldn't stop himself from touching them. Three girls under the age of 10, five counts of pedophilia, including acts perpetrated against his own daughter. I am glad that our borders are kept safe by patriots and lunatics, dead or locked up for now, while more cowboys, vigilantes, neo-Nazis, pedophiles, murderers, and Minutemen ride off into the sunset. They ride with blood on their hands, waiting for us to finally bury them. Powerful. And you're bringing up a lot of the history that swept under the under the rug because, like you, like you say, we really think that political poetry prose is vital to, to our society, to our culture. You're touching on some organizations that were making national news. Yeah. And then all of a sudden swept under the rug, but they committed all these atrocities. So powerful work on the page, but you're also touching on making sure that there's a testament to all this that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, so often that gets lost in the dialogue so often. And I really learned this from Matt Cedillo so often, um, you know, the, these forces are, are constantly trying to put us on the defensive, you know, they're constantly trying to make us validate ourselves, explain ourselves, you know, whereas these people are some of the most vile perpetrators, some of the most vile criminals. And to really think about that, think about, you know, why these people are attacking children, you know, children, uh, uh, you know, mothers, fathers, workers, you know, people trying to make a living crossing the border. What would guide people to, to, to do those kinds of things. And very often it is some of the most disgusting impulses and some of those most heinous crimes uh, that can be committed. So uh, yeah, I think it's really important that we don't lose sight of that and, uh, and to be very cognizant of the active forces that are out there uh, uh, working to oppress our, our people and to hide their, their true face and their true nature and build platforms to the greatest uh, uh, heights of political power in the nation. And, and they, the Texas Minutemen were basically standard national news for a while. You know, that has passed, but these same attacks in our community have just morphed 
into other things. So it's powerful to hear uh, to hear your piece and to hear you perform it because then it, re it reminds us that, um, yeah, the details change, the players change, right. but this attack does not. Yeah, yeah, and one more, one last thing I want to touch upon this. And I probably, I might have said this before, but I, it bears repeating, is that we see all of this activity leading up to the presidency of Donald Trump. You know, that's a lot of this is what made that possible. When Donald Trump, you know, announced his campaign, he announced it on the platform of building the wall of, of Mexicans are criminals, drug dealers, and rapists. And he went on to attack all of the usual uh, suspects to target all of the other, you know, marginalized, oppressed uh, uh, communities mm -hmm. out there. But the fact that we were the primary focus, the primary target at the onset of that shows you a lot about the change of American politics, that the that the politics, the climate of the Southwest uh, 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 was elevated to that national stage. That That's a great point. And I think it helps. Th this work helps kind of fill in the cracks that maybe historians can't tackle. Well, academics can't. Now, because who knows when people are going to be watching or hearing this, but now this attack on critical race theory seems to be, mm -hmm. you know, trying to now morph that attack and silence more people so that it makes it even harder for this information to be to be disseminated. So that, that, that really is important work that you're you're doing in a creative, creative way. Um, but um, just mind blowing to 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 remember the scale and, and the persistence of this. So thank you for chronicling that in a powerful way. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tony. Well, I tell you what, I do want to mention that uh, we are celebrating our friendship with David Romero. He's back on the show. <laughs> great, great to have you back here. And I could just go on chatting with, with you about politics and poetry, but I want to celebrate the poem. So, okay. um, I do want to mention that you are experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. It's a multi-platform broadcast on social media. You can also listen to it at 90.1 FM KPFT, Houston's community station. And you can also watch it on fox26houston.com. And we are also, uh, we are committed to mentioning your book. Uh, my name is Romero. Uh, so these are pieces from that piece if you could give us one more poem, please, before we close out. And again, mention the name of the book again. Please set it up and then give us the title and then thrill us, brother. All right. All right, Tony. All right, Tony. So I'm, so after all of that doom and gloom, um, I'm going to go out with your viewers on a lighter note. Uh, so this is the signature piece from My Name is Romero. And, and let it be said that this piece uh, uh, typically uh, contains – uh, 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 a bit of cursing, uh, but but for our our fair listeners, uh, we'll, we'll we'll cut that out. Uh, but uh, here it goes. Here it goes. True story. It happens every single night. Telemarketing Juliets calling from their ivy-covered balconies, calling for their star-crossed lovers. Calling, hello, is Mr. Romeo in? I'm sorry, Romeo went to go grab a burrito, Mercutio to cruise Whittier Boulevard, and Shakespeare to take some ethnic studies classes. In other words, Romeo isn't in. My name is Romero. I am not Italian. Centuries-old Spanish blood coursing through these veins, though my parents are not from Spain. And despite the Southern Californian accent, louds words like, dude, sweet and sick, to tumble gracefully from these lips. I'm not a white guy. I'm a Mexican. My name is Romero. Romero like a brand of tortillas that escaped with Guerrero and Mission from the segregation of the ethnic food section into the main aisles of your local supermarket. My name is Romero. Romero like Archbishop Oscar Romero, zombie filmmaker George A. Romero, actor Cesar Romero, yes, before Jack Nicholson, before Heath Ledger, a brown man. 
played the Joker. They dressed him up in purple suit, green wig, and white face, but he would not shave his trademark suave and sexy Latin mustache. No, he was a Romero. I am a Romero. My parents had dark hair and dark eyes. When I was seven, my brother lied, told me that my father was the mailman. How could you be the son of our parents with your blue eyes and white skin? Well, brother, like Jerry Springer or Maori, the DNA results are in. I am a Romero, and I know what some of you are thinking, that I'm just another white guy trying to prove he's a Latino or just another Mexican chest beating, beating his chest, beating whatever reputation he has left in the process, trying to convince you that his family, his country, his nationality are better than you. Well, I know as well as anyone that we are all the children of Africa, roots of no single family tree, but of a flourishing forest that grows collectively towards a magnificent destiny shining, radiating beauty. Just please close your eyes and you can see it. Ah, but forget that. The name of this poem isn't We Are the World. We are the children. No, the name of this poem is my name is Romero. Because if you're not proud of who you are, then what are you going to be proud of? And if you don't know where you come from, how are you supposed to know where you're going? And I know one thing, that the name of my father and my father's father and his father's father before him was Romero. Thank you very much, Tony. Nuestra palabra. Eso. <laughs> I love it. And you bring so much energy. You got so much skill. And you're so generous with your genius. So, David, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for you. coming back to Nuestra Palabra. Can't wait to hang out in person. And thanks for always giving back to the community. Oh, yes. Let's make that happen. Yes, absolutely. Beautiful. We want to give a shout out to the Nuestra Palabra familia. Thank you to Roxana Guzman, who is our multi-platform producer gets all our graphics going gets us going on time also thank you to rodrigo bravo jr our brilliant sound engineer who helps get our audio cast at a hundred thousand watts and radimus ortiz who works our seo leticia lopez who works on our music and all the libro traficantes throughout houston throughout texas the southwest and the entire country this is tony as libro traficante thanks for tuning in thanks for supporting our cultura nos vemos.